Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, where we are um, evidently experiencing some friendly hands in Sophia. So at the top of the show, as we always like to do, we'd like to thank you, the supporter, and you, the listener. Uh, you can support us in a ton of different ways, and that could be by visiting our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. You could write a review of the show if you're enjoying it. You could share stuff on social media and tell people about the show. That'd be great. You could even subscribe to our YouTube channel. We would certainly appreciate it as we continue our march to 1,000 subscribers. So now that the pleasantries are out of the way, let's get to something even more pleasant, which is our investigators' introductions, which begin to my right. Hello, this is Mike, and I play James Robert Fraser. And I've just cost burning hands. Really? In, in this game? Oh, right. Yeah, no, in the previous episode, of course, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm certain that um, your hot hands will be welcomed by many. Uh, and to Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, this is Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. And I don't know what you people are talking about. I had a lovely night. Great dreams, fresh air, lots of sleep. Just what the doctor ordered. Uh, at the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I feel like the skinless one has tried to reach out and touch someone lately. Well, he certainly won't be denied. Our next guest knows that better than anybody, too. Uh, Giles is right. Hi, this is Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and last game was a little more hands-on than I usually prefer. And uh, that's totally understandable, given your experiences last uh, last game. And uh, last, but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. and. Uh... Which is still trying to get uh, Maggie away from this uh, this this terrible suit. Yeah, she does look for a, uh, we'll just say a new look shortly after her um, wardrobe is complete. To that end, we're going to raise the curtain tonight in a uh, hotel. And actually, it's not even night, it's morning. So our investigators have had an opportunity to get what little sleep they could after being interrupted very unceremoniously by uh, wandering hands. And uh, we'll put some sunshine into the air a cool breeze not too terribly cold but a cooler breeze today as uh, we pick up with a wrap at lady elizabeth's door yes outside your door stands one james robert fraser who has collected your breakfast and has a tray in his hand mr fraser getting um the right sort of breakfast was a little bit of a push-pull sort of situation this morning with the with the uh, kitchens you don't speak a ton of English here, and so it took a little bit of, we'll just say nuance and um, additional work. Do come in, Mr. Fraser. Open the door and bring the tray in, place it down on a suitable um, table. Uh, I had a wee bit of trouble uh, finding uh, something suitable, but uh, I think this will do, Your Ladyship. Yes, well, we can't expect everyone to have the exact same foods we do, now can we? Oh no, quite so, quite so. 
I hope this is to your satisfaction. I'm sure it will be. Is everyone all right? No more flaming hands in the dark? I didn't dream that, did I? No, uh, unfortunately not, your ladyship. I, I, I think everything's dealt with now. Uh, Mike, would it be possible for, in the intervening time, us to have gathered up their hands, wrapped them in some sheets or blankets or something like that, opened the windows to get the smell of burning flesh out of the rooms? And uh, if possible, um, maybe I could have nipped down stairs and thrown them in, in the, like in the garbage can in the, out in the street or something like that. Yeah, certainly. I'm happy to say that you've dealt with them. And that part of the cool, fresh air this morning is brought on by some open windows as to not um, sully this portion of the hotel with, say, um, less than desirable scents. Yes, that's fair. Mm, that's good to hear, Fraser. Yes, uh, I think everything's been dealt with and tidied away. I'm just going to push my tray aside for a moment. Have a seat, if you have a moment, Mr. Fraser. Uh, yes, yes, of course, your ladyship. Kind of perches on the uh, edge of a chair, rather apprehensive about whether he's going to get told off for something. You were in the Great War, weren't you? You served... I did, your ladyship, yes, I, for king and country. Were you ever, just sort of unconsciously put a hand on my chest, shot? I was not, your ladyship, no, um, I was very lucky. I knew a number of, a number of boys who were, though. Some of them didn't make it home. Yes, I think I've been quite lucky in that. But it is no small thing to, uh, to, uh, to be shot, no. You know, Mama always said death is something that happens to other people. Raymond never even made it to the front lines. He was behind a desk somewhere, thanks to father. And we never really had to deal with much other than nursing and occasionally taking things down to the local hospital. Well, they also serve who only stand and wait. Yes, but it's not something that ever really touched us, Fraser. And on that train, standing there and just in full rage, I must admit, but the moment he pulled that trigger, in that brief second, all I could think was, I'm going to die. And that is not something that has ever truly crossed my mind, if I am being completely honest. Oh, your ladyship. And I rather don't know what to do with it. Well... It is, it is not an easy thing to accept one's own mortality, your ladyship. Some of us find succor in our faith, knowing that uh, once we pass from this world, if we have lived a righteous life, then the gates of the kingdom of heaven may be open to us. But if there is one thing I learned during the conflict, it was that Death is all around us. You can't escape it. It will come sooner or later. If you're lucky, you'll get a chance to do something with your life, something meaningful, something fulfilling. If you're extraordinarily lucky, you'll get a chance to be happy. But death will come. Whether whether it's in the cradle or, or when you're old and grey and lying in a, in a bed... 
too weak to lift your arm for, for a glass of water. Yes, but we don't like to think about it until then. No, no, quite so, your ladyship. But it's what I've always said. If you're prepared for that moment, then when it finally comes, you're more able to process it, I suppose, is, is what I'm trying to trying to say. It's, I can't. I can't give you any advice on it, your ladyship. I, I all I, all I can say is that once, if you make your peace, if if you can live as as good and honest a life as you, as you can, then that's all you can do. All I could think when I was falling was, what have I really done in my entire life? And I have spent so much time in these rooms and watching other people do things and reading about other people doing things. I don't want to do that anymore, Mr. Fraser. And you're going to have to accept that. I think I saw a wee bit of that while we were out there in the woods. Yes. And it's not going to get better from here. Just a slight smile. Your ladyship, I, I can't pretend to understand what's changed for you. Because I can see that you've changed. I'm, I'm not blind, your ladyship, but I know it's not my place to, to ask but as I've always said, be careful. Look before you leap. It's one thing to be a hero. It's another thing to be a fool. And I'm not calling you a fool, your ladyship. Please don't, please don't think that I'm, I'm trying to say that. But I'm just saying that don't walk blindly into a situation that's out of your control. Everything's been out of my control since I was a child, Fraser. And I'm not having it anymore. I want to live... And I don't mean survive, just gesture at the wound in my chest. I don't mean that, I mean live. I'm not going to stay home and be told what to do and told I can't go anywhere and those people aren't appropriate and you can't go outside, it'll damage your lungs or whatever. I want to live, Fraser. And that is exactly what I intend to do. Fraser kind of is, he's just sort of looking at the floor during this part of the conversation your leadership I ad admire your courage I really do and I, I know I don't need to say this but you know that there will be those who wish to stand in your way now I have absolutely no doubt that you have the, the, the strength to, uh, to overcome that but there will be those who, who do not think it seemly who do not think it proper who do not think it right for someone such as yourself to, uh, to be so strident for want of a better word, in, uh, in, in your determination. <laughs> Propriety be damned, Mr. Fraser. Propriety be damned. That's all I have to say on the matter. Aye, your ladyship. Uh, propriety be damned, aye. It will take some adjustment, Mr. Fraser. Well, I still have a duty and an obligation, your ladyship, and I shall not shock in that. You're the only person on this adventure, Mr. Fraser, who I completely and utterly trust. Well, that's very kind of you to say so, your ladyship. Very kind indeed, and, and, I, and I hope that I don't disappoint you in that respect. You're a good man, Mr. Fraser. You deserve better than all of this. We must play the, the cards we're dealt, your ladyship. Quite. Very well. Thank you for speaking with me for a moment. I appreciate it. Of course, I am at your disposal, your ladyship. I will be 
out to see the others shortly. It might take me a little bit longer, but uh, hopefully everyone else has survived the night. Aye, hopefully so. Well, I'll take my leave now, Your Ladyship, if uh, if that's all right with you. Off you go, Mr. Fraser. I'd like to look in on Miss Ballinger, who had maybe a less than, we'll say, comfortable night. Maggie, as the um, the bed sort of gained a few in- inhabitants you were not prepared for, I know uh, you had sort of, in the last few, had pushed yourself against the back of the bed and sort of kind of curled up into yourself to try to keep yourself protected. I'll just say that the um, the rest you did find eventually last night was not the best, and your dreams didn't help as much. Uh, every slight breeze came through the room, wafted a, a little bit of burnt flesh, and maybe a, a bit of um, a tension rise in your skin, tightening there at the neck. It was a pretty uncomfortable night, so the morning is not likely starting well. Yeah, I think Maggie even having, like, in flailing around the previous night, knocking some of the pieces off of her bed, would have, like, scooped them up and was and would have been holding them very closely and tightly while she tried to sleep as, as, as some sort of, like, protective blanket, almost. Like, that. that is her comfort now, is clinging on to these body parts. Yeah, and all the parts really bring you, the, the more that you cling to them is pain. So the, the nerve pain picks up, not just in your hips as it had before, but in your shoulders, your back. You don't sleep well at all. You actually don't recover any hit points because you don't sleep well enough to recover hit points now. Okay. So that's something to consider. Yeah. And I'll say, I'm not sure if you're, are you down any MP currently? I don't believe so, no. If you were, you would regain half as much as you normally would because you're just not sleeping fitfully enough to to be able to regain them. So that's something to sort of keep in mind uh, as the influence of this, of these pieces has begun to sort of have its, its own control at this point. You both want them around you for comfort, but that comfort that they bring you comes with pain. Uh, And so in the morning when you wake up, your lungs feel like they're filled with water. And you actually end up spending probably a good 10 minutes expelling hard as you had before previously. When you you picked up the torso, um, that same sort of feeling comes back now. You feel feverish and just in general unwell. I'm trying to remember, did we tell the rest of the group anything about us going through the mirror? Who's we? Uh, like me and Richard. Because well, my my initial thought is I have some concerns about where these hands came from if this is further punishment of some sort. And knowing that the comp chose Richard over me, I think I would want to seek out Richard to see how his night was. Like, was he attacked? If he was spared and I was attacked, that is going to... I want to say put further doubt in my mind, but really I think it's just going to spur Maggie towards trying to be more pleasing to the comp in in general. It's possible. I mean, I'll let you play your character, but it feels to me that Maggie might want to press any sort of potential advantage or show the comp that she is worthy of his direct sort of attention. Yeah. 
Like why why did he why did he feed from Richard and not from me? What what was wrong with me? Like there's a whole psychological road we could go down with Maggie with that if we really want to, but I'll just say that it might be that Richard, after you're feeling good enough to walk around, he might be the first person you seek out. Yeah, that was my thought as well. Why did he feed on Richard and not me? Why, if I got choked and Richard didn't, like, I want to know, did he get attacked too? Was this something that happened to both of us or, yeah. You are free to seek him out at your leisure. That is what I will do. I will locate Richard's room and give it a little knock. So for you, Professor, last night was, well, calm. You slept like the dead. There was no no problem, no trouble for you in your room. Um, there was some kerfuffle, but quite honestly, it could have been a part of a dream you had, maybe. It's hard to remember. But yeah, there's a knock at your door. Uh, uh, yes? Um, Richard, may I come in? Are you decent? Maggie's already opening the door. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, come on in. Ah, Maggie... Uh, how are you this morning? Oh, horrible. Uh, did you, were you able to sleep last night? Did you not hear the commotion that went on? No, I, I must admit I was contemplating our, our little trip. Quite extraordinary. Oh, were you? Uh, yes, I, um, I don't know. I've, I've not heard from Julius Smith for, for quite some time. And, and that thing pretending to be him was... It was quite unsettling. I, 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 I would like to, to, to wire back to London and, and find out how he's doing. I've just got a horrible feeling about things. I found our encounter quite unsettling as well. But nothing came for you last night. Came for me? What, what on earth do you mean? I was attacked last night and Mr. Fraser had to come to my rescue and I, I believe Mr. Griffith was attacked as well. Oh my word. Uh, who, who by? Was it more these, um, a Bethes gentlemen? No, hands, Richard. Disembodied hands. And just before I had, when it, when the, I sensed something in my room and I, I reached out to the Compton, then I could feel, I could feel hands around my throat and they were choking me, Richard. I, I thought I was going to die. Look, he, he was trying to kill you? I, I've warned you about this. I'm, I'm convinced he's he's absolutely up to no good. I'm, and nothing, we, we, we've never had an encounter with him, uh, which has been, been, been at all. What I don't understand, Richard, is why he's now chosen you instead of me. Is it because of that thing, that device that you're always wearing? I, if I put it on, then will it, will, is that what it'll take? I, I, what, what do you mean by chosen? Well, obviously his favor has landed on you now and no, no longer me I, I'm not sure what to say. Well, of course you don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Well, um, I mean, if you'd like to try the device, I, I mean, maybe, maybe that would be a good idea. Do you think that's what it'll, it, it will take, Richard? He, he somehow sees a bit of himself in this, this power that you, you wield and, and that's what it'll take. That's what it'll, it'll take to get me closer to him whatever has happened with your body he he wants that for me as well i don't think that being closer to him is a good idea well you're just trying to keep us apart now i don't know i mean maybe maybe he feels that um the uh, the, the 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 power that the device confers gives um that, that, i don't know there's, there's some sort of respect in, involved perhaps maybe he's fearful and, and wishes to find out more about it 
and maybe you should try it. I mean, maybe, maybe it might might put you and him on a, a more equal footing, as it were. Well, then give it give it here, Richard. Give it here. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes. 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 Would you, Would you like me to configure it for you? Uh, uh, yes. You know more of it than than me. I would just do it haphazardly, I suppose. Miss Ballinger. Yeah. I'm going to play a hand of fate against you. And I'm going to activate your former mania immediately. Okay. My former mania. That was my other personality, wasn't it? That's correct. You don't need any of Richard's help at all. You can do it all yourself. Richard, I. Like, I need any help from you. Give that here. I I know how to use this thing. I know precisely what I want to do with it. Nice. I'll try to snatch it from Richard. If you insist. It doesn't sound like there's any sort of um, contested role there. He's just going to sort of, you know, try to try not get hurt by having when Maggie snatches it out of his hands. Okay, Miss Bellinger, how would you like to configure the lenses? Uh, what are my color options? I will let you know. There are seven total lenses, right? Um, there are four on the left and three on the right. Lenses on the left are pink and blue, green and yellow. Okay. The lenses on the right are a black lens, uh, a white lens. That is the stone that the Richard had the jeweler in Belgrade put in. And then there is a cracked lens in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Those are your choices. Any combination of lenses seemingly can be used because as you articulate the the lenses, they can be positioned one over the other. So you can either extend them out, hold them close, and then that would technically allow any of them to fit over either of the eyes, technically speaking. Yeah. And is there a number of a, a limit to the number of them I can use at one time or um, the professor has never said there was a limit. You're not sure. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, for maximum power, I think you would want to look through all of them. I mean, that's if that's the rationality that you're going to use, then feel free. Just let me know what you're how how specifically. So the, this at this point, the color choice matters. So I guess I would just ask you to tell me which colors are you going to have closest to your eyes? Okay. Okay. Um, closest to my eyes, I want to say, are going to be green and blue. Okay. So green on the left, blue on the right? Sure. Okay. And then are you going to affix all the lenses to to use them, to attempt to use them all? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to have you make a pow roll when you put it on. Okay. Uh, that's a 98 over 75. Okay, so obviously 98 is a failure. We don't have to worry about it being a fumble necessarily because it's not 100. Um, so now, of course, I'll ask, uh, would Maggie like to push the roll? Absolutely. You initially put all the lenses on. To, to you, Richard, this seems very dangerous. You see her affix a couple of lenses, and then she just sort of haphazardly begins shoving all of the lenses down on top of her eyes. And you hear a sort of strange hum begin to emanate off of the lenses and the device itself. You can hear it hum. Never heard it hum. What on earth are you doing? It, it never normally makes that noise. Silence, Richard. Do not distract me from what I am doing right now. I can't imagine it's very good, but it's probably better than 
Yes. Okay. So I guess I'll say, in what way, Miss Bellinger, will you be pushing the roll? I know that I I just about have it. It's almost there. I think what I'm missing is that Richard is distracting me from this. So what I want to do is I want to put my hand on Richard's shoulder and try to, like, get him to kneel next to me or before me, because what I really need is uh, a little more adoration to fuel my power. Certainly. I like how this uh, is going. I like the the nature of, of this for many different reasons. So I guess, Richard, when, when she puts her hand on your shoulder, I think maybe the initial impressions are that she's sort of asking for help or maybe to asking to, to be steadied. But really, she sort of leans on you a little hard and... I don't know how you interpret her more forceful pressing. Ah, well, st- steady on there. I'm. I know it's difficult to see when you have the device on. You you don't want to fall over. And uh, look, look. And uh, Richard will kind of try and prop her up a little bit more with his own hands. Look, I I can um, I can make sure you don't fall over. Richard, observe my power from your place on the floor next to me. Kneel before me, and observe how I use the device. Are you suggesting that uh, um, an upwards look at it while it's worn might shed a different light on it? I mean, that's an interesting observation. I, that's not, not what I've considered before. So Richard sort of doesn't kneel, but kind of bends down and sort of looks upwards curiously at the device. I think that's enough for you. Go ahead and take your re-roll, uh, Miss Bellinger. In my head, that's all that's happening is that he's kneeling before me. That is a 57 under 75 now. So it's a successful power roll. Um, okay. Miss Bellinger, I'm going to have you spend 16 points of magic. Okay, so that'll be all my magic plus one hit point. Correct. A strange sensation is sort of takes over your body. It begins to consume senses one by one. The first is visual. And so the room changes in front of you. The walls sort of melt away from the paneling and wallpaper they have into something that is rather alien to you. The walls become, I guess, a little bit crisper. The whites pop a little bit more. There are strange pictures on the walls with even stranger frames around them. There's a box at the far end of the room. It's rectangular. And there seems to be some sort of moving image inside of it. And there are people now in the room who aren't completely solid. There's a a man and a woman sitting on a bed nearby. And they seem to be watching this series of moving pictures that are contained somehow in this strange box. Left and right, they watch the... Is that a fish? There's a series of fish in there. How did that get in there? The auditory is even more hampering in that it swells your ears. You can feel them grow almost. To try to take in all of these different sounds. The busy street, the jumbled voices that seem to enter and leave the room... The smells in the room change as well. Gone is the flesh 
that had sort of tucked itself into your nostrils and wouldn't go away from last night. Gone is the soot that seems to sort of cake everything a little bit where there's a fireplace. Things smell almost sterile after a while. A type of clean that you are not accustomed to. But really, it's the sense of touch that it is completely alien. And you feel other forces moving through your body. Things, people, objects begin to move through you and you are completely fastened to the floor. You are unable to stop them. You desperately want to stop these people and things passing through your body. But somehow you can't. And as this cacophony of sound and scent and images ramps up its intensity, reality for a moment is torn asunder and there is nothing but the depths of blackness that surround you. In front of you, Richard, Miss Bellinger disappears from existence. My word. I think Richard's going to try and rush to Maggie's room and see if she, he can see where the, these sort of body parts are. He's, he's really concerned that she's gotten herself into some trouble with these things. Miss Bellinger, you end up in a very small room. It's a different room than the one you were in. It's very spartan and simple. Wood floors, wood walls, a rather spartan bed, a desk nearby. There's a cottage-like window that looks out onto a veranda and a green field. You don't know where you are. You don't feel the changes, the essence of things that were happening before. Yes, but he must have brought me here. He must have brought me somewhere where he has brought me to him. I will take a brief like, look around the, the cottage and then kind of rush outside, assuming that I've been brought near where the Comte is and I just have to find him. It's a really a one-room bedroom, honestly. Uh, you turn and there's a door at your back. Like when you when you turn around, there's a there's a door out of the cottage and it's opening. And there's a very familiar person walking through it, although it's not the person that you expected. It is an elderly man, one you've seen fairly recently, and that's Doctor Smith. But well, last time that was his disguise. He shuts the door. Does he seem to see me? Oh yeah, absolutely. <gasps> I, I knew that I would find you, but why is it why is it that you wear this this disguise? Disguise, he says in an unsteady tone. I kind of I want to go over to him and like touch his face, and you don't you don't have to 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 do like do you don't have to look like this. Richard is gone. It's just me here now. I use the device to come find you, and and here you are. I have found you, and and we can we can be. Together now, my love, we can we can rule over all of the worlds together, side by side. We can fly. We can fly away together. He puts his hand sort of um, on your shoulders and he says, I think you should sit down, Miss Bellinger. I have some bad news for you. Bad news? Well, what? I And I'm like, I'm grabbing onto him. I've been just kind of like grabbing his shoulders and arms and, and I, I sit, but I'm still like holding on to him. Richard, you get to Miss Bellinger's room and you see all of the parts laid out on the bed. Her bed is unmade and there seems to be 
a collection of these body parts that have been placed in the bed. She was, again, clearly sleeping with them. So what else is in the room? Well, uh, Maggie's steamer trunk that normally holds the uh, pieces and then her other trunk that has her clothes and really all of her other worldly belongings that she's brought with. Is there like a fireplace or? Yeah. Excellent. Does it look like there would be enough sort of room to shove a body part up there? Yeah, um, certainly. Like the uh, arms and the, um, the legs would likely fit if they were properly angled and whatnot. You could probably fit them in there. The torso is a little big, so it would take some um, a little bit of work. So Richard's going to try and jam one or more body parts up there. Like just up into the... Hmm. Okay. There's no fire currently, but... That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You can do that for sure. And then he'll leave the room. He's going to leave the torso there. And he's going to make very, very, very sure that he clears up after him. So if any soot falls from the fireplace, he's going to make it, you know, um, perfectly tidy again. It will take a a little bit of work uh, cleaning up there. And then cleaning up yourself, obviously, because... You'll get soot on your hands and um yeah it, it takes you probably five or ten minutes to get things properly sorted but you do so this was part of his plan i mean he, he took maggie to this other mirror world with the idea of trying to save her from whatever this thing was going to do i mean who would think to look for parts up a chimney that's a great question back in the small cottage miss bellinger dr smith takes the single chair that's in the room from the little side table desk that, that's nearby and he brings it over and sits down in front of you. I I don't know I don't know what has happened to you but I fear you've gotten far, far too close to these pieces and to the man who's searching for them. I, I don't think I'm close enough. I could be I could be closer if it pleases you if it would make you take off this mask. There, there is no mask. Miss Bellinger, you were lied to. He sort of pulls at his skin a little, probably hard enough to where it, it pains him a little, but it, nothing changes in his visual. I've seen you before, though, but it wasn't you. It was him. And he chose Richard over me. He chose what he was always willing to choose, which was the quickest path. You were the quickest path to what he wanted. He found someone passionate someone willing to go on his adventure and he bewitched you just like he has done to many people to get what he wants you were tricked and i'm partially to blame for that i i don't know why i should why i should believe you i i don't believe that he would do that to me you believe that a a man a creature hundreds of years old who's waited many, many years to reclaim a prize he once owned and sought to wear himself, you think that he would trouble himself with a single American woman on a holiday in Europe? Obviously, he saw something in, in me, something that you and the others don't see, and I am going to prove myself to him. You have no one to prove yourself to but yourself. Exactly. Well, I have some unfortunate news for you. What? You've passed beyond that physical world here. 
there is nothing outside but what makes up existence. It's something I tried to explain to Richard a while ago, and I don't know if he thoroughly understood. This device that you use to get here, it allows you to see things, but that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to be a looking glass. It can see things, see many things. Putting it all back together, Miss Bellinger, was to craft something which could read the instructions on how to destroy the simulacrum at a great cost to its wearer. It must be destroyed. That was my entire intent. Did, did you did you listen to nothing in that room when I explained it to Beddoes? Well, of, of course I was listening, but things change and opinions change and, and sometimes you don't have all of the all of the information yourself. Now you're telling me if this device gets destroyed, then nothing can destroy the simulacrum. No, do not turn my words. If you destroy the device and then nothing can destroy the simulacrum, you will create a, an Armageddon on our world. And what of what of the scrolls? You lied to us about those as well. There there are none. No, there is there is a scroll, but the scrolls were not kept out as was suggested. Clearly, clearly the research was incorrect. And so your research may be incorrect now, sir. You know what, Miss Bellinger? He stands up from his chair and sets it aside of the wall. I'm going to give you exactly what you deserve. Time to think. He turns around and opens the door. And when he does so, a vast star field awaits. And he shuts the door. And with a prompt pop of that door on the doorframe, the door handle disappears. So, Mr. Griffith, we spent an awful lot of time last night trying to come to grips with what had invaded your room. You probably sort of settled on some um, rather Appalachian versions of nasty and ugly spirits which had tried to visit you. Those had been taken care of, but sleep was a little harder to get to. I don't believe you used come to grips on me when those things were trying to grab me. No, I, I did not sleep well for fear that dis, disembodied, dismembered hands would be hunting me in my, my sleeps. Probably not. So how are you spending your morning, having probably had a little bit of intermittent rest? Huh? Besides milk, I do drink coffee, and I got a whole pot full. Of course, I mix it with milk. And I'm trying to stay awake, and I'm worried, and I'm breaking out that old bag of salt that I have. I have a feeling I'm going to be making a protection circle this evening around my bed with salt. I mean, it's quite possible. I guess I'm more interested to see how the group will end up spending the day, given that the day is here. I don't imagine you're salting your room during the day. No, no, it, it'll be over dinner time, but, um, you know, a little bit for dinner, a lot for the flow. I'm going to just sit here drinking my coffee and see what everybody else is going to do and... I may follow their lead. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so I want to go back to Richard then really quick because he was in among some things. Since you've, um, we'll just say, secreted some limbs up a chimney, well, what are you doing afterwards? Heading back to your room? As if nothing had happened, absolutely. Waiting for Maggie to return. And hopefully she does. Mm, so far, no. 
um, clearly the device is missing as well. Can Richard see any sort of residual threads? I mean, I know he normally can't, but... You know what, Richard, I'll um, I'll give you a power roll if you'd like to attempt to. So we'll just say um, utilize your own inner power to connect with it. Ooh, zero six. That's an extreme success. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So on an extreme success, I will simply say that um, your eyes, as um, changed as they are, do see that there is a, a little point about mid-chest level, mm-hmm. where Miss Bellinger was. It sits sort of in space. It's almost like a um, the end of a knot. Hmm. Richard will stick his finger out and see if he can sort of touch it. Yeah, you can touch it. You can stick your finger against it and you sort of feel sort of like touching a rather large uh, sugar cube. There's a bit of a granular feel just there on the tip. How extraordinary. And Richard will just take a seat and watch. See what happens. Some time ticks by for you, Miss Bellinger. The window nearby will not open. There is no door handle. And there's nothing under the bed. There's no drawers in the desk or anything like that. You sort of sit, at least for a minute or two. And it does feel like being put in timeout. Which is not, does not gel well with your brain right now. Yeah, in between the sitting, Maggie is pacing and pouting. Like, arms crossed, grumpy face, pacing around this little cottage and just utterly pissed off right now. Okay, so after a a period of time in which she is mad, very mad, does she eventually wane, do you feel? Eventually, as as it always does, as it always does. Eventually, uh, it breaks because you get too exhausted to stay mad for too long. Staying that mad that long takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have any, that much to begin with after a night of no sleep. So the, the bed is comfortable enough to sit on, even, even lay on, although it is not um, what you would say is even hotel quality. This is really, really sort of an English cottage feel. So who knows what's uh, what the beds uh, and sheets and mattresses are made out of and whatnot. Probably just mystical energy at this point. Um, there's a knock at the door. It's probably been two hours in your mind. There's still no doorknob though, right? That's correct. Well, if you'd like to come in, you're going to have to do it from that side since there's no doorknob over here, sir. The door opens. Dr. Smith walks back in. Are we feeling reasonable yet? That's a strong word, I think, in this situation. Well, let me be clear if I was not already clear with you previously, Miss Bellinger. If you are going to threaten existence itself for your own feverish desires, I'll keep the door locked. You would just keep me here forever? Well, in this realm, you won't starve or thirst. And if I weigh your life against the millions of people that still draw breath, It seems a fair trade. How is it that you wield this power and yet you sent us five on this journey to collect all the pieces and destroy the simulacrum? Because I'm dead. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for that then. About a month or so ago, I died. It was rather horrid, actually. Would you like to hear about it? Maybe. I had 
suffered the burn wounds from that terrible house fire at my estate. Beddoes had taken me back to recuperate, to rest at my country home. He had done his very best to be quiet, to be secretive about our own coming and going. And then one day, I received a knock on the door, one that we were not inspecting. It was from a Turkish gentleman, a man who died three times. By the time I was able to get up from my chair with some difficulty, Beddoes was laying on a pool of his own blood. He'd been eviscerated. They came for me, and with little word, I was unable to stop them. My time with the device had shown me that there was something other, something else to existence. It was all I thought about as I died. I wound up here, in this country estate. I had a discussion with Richard called out to him here because I was hoping to be able to talk to him but when we spoke I I couldn't bring myself to tell him I was dead you must understand Miss Bellinger Richard and I we had a friendship bonded over years he was a one of the brightest boys I'd ever seen his life in Cheddar was quite frankly a matter of financial consequence he deserved to have the best school. He deserved to have the opportunity to rise above being simply some farm boy. And so I had sponsored him. Every school, every potential possibility, financially I helped his family. I made sure he got into King's College, where he excelled of his own way and his own right. And so I couldn't think of anyone else to help when it was clear that these Turkish thugs, these cultists, were after me. So I went to him because he was smart. And I hoped that he could pull together the right people. And in a way, he did. But I'm no more than an afterthought now, a memory. But memories here have power. And this is my home. And I control the doors and the windows. We saw you... Well, it wasn't you. Myself and Richard, we went through the mirror with the device and... We saw you, but it, it wasn't you. It was a, a trick, the Compte. It, it was him. Yes, he's uh, intimately aware of your presence. He is connected with you in a specific way, like a predator and their prey. He's after you in a very specific way, Miss Bellinger. He wants you to do all of his dirty work for him, collect the pieces, and then seize them from you. Because after you have them all, your usefulness to him is over. Don't make it any more romantic than it could, it could be in your brain. There is nothing there and behind his eyes other than a cold, heartless monster who wants one thing. And it is not a courtship with you, Miss Bellinger, sadly. I have had mixed feelings lately after he'd, he chose Richard and then I, I believe he maybe tried to kill me last night. It's quite possible. Although, what was... How were you attempted to be killed, though? Um, disembodied hands tried to strangle me in my sleep. Oh, the, the Comte is a predator. He would come for you personally if he wanted to kill you. Hmm. I'm not sure who sent those, then. Uh, I, I have an idea, and it's a foul one. 
The closer you get to the eventual goal, the closer you get to Constantinople, the more powerful this Brotherhood of the Skin is. When they killed Beddoes, they wore him. They skinned him and wore him in praise of their god. Uh-oh. And so I would again ask you to be careful. And if you are to leave this room, the device must fulfill its purpose. After that, it should be destroyed. It's too powerful. Yes, um, and I believe it, it may be better left to Richard at this point, his doing. Is he allowing others to wear it? Well, he allowed me to wear it. How do you think I ended up here? I assumed you took it from him. Um, I'm not, not forcefully. He, he willingly gave it to me. I believe at one point it was even his partially his suggestion that I wear it. Hmm. He's probably just trying out theories. He's let Lady Elizabeth wear it a time or two as well. Professor rolls his eyes. Yes, yes, of course, Richard. Let every single common passerby wear it. That's good for their health. All right, Miss Bellinger. Would you like to go back? I I would. I think you've given me many things to think about upon my return. Very well. Then you should make two promises here on your life. You will not divulge my incorporeal nature. Oh, that was the first thing I was going to do. Richard believing that I am alive keeps him going. I understand that. He won't change anything anyway, and I don't want him distracted. Reading whatever scrolls and have been collected over the years in that damned book your Lady Elizabeth carries now is paramount. Find the pieces, learn the instructions, go to the temple, destroy it. Nothing else matters. The second one is this. Promise me you will not get close to the Compte. He only means you harm. I I can say that I will take what you've said under very close consideration. You've given me many things to think about, Professor Smith. Yes, um, and your um, verbal gymnastics here is not something I'm going to overlook. I've, I've already gotten uh, close, but but I am growing uh, suspicious of some of the, the interactions that we've had, and I believe that you may be right. Very well. I don't wish you um, any harm, of course, but I will warn you that the transition back could be quite painful. Oh, I'm quite used to that at this point. He stands up, walks over to the door, and reaches out. And as he reaches out to the door, you see a knob appear on it, and he turns it. And I can just exit the door? He opens the door. Okay. I'd close your eyes. Maggie closes her eyes. When you get close to the door, you feel someone push you out it. You fall. This is disconcerting. Yeah. Richard, you're fingering that little point in space in your room, testing it out, um, and suddenly there is a warping sound. So the tones in the room bend and shift up and down very wildly, and Miss Bellinger coalesces into existence. For this, I'm going to require a sanity roll. 
Um, and then I'm going to ask Miss Bellinger to have a sanity roll as well. Okay. That is an 86 over 49 for me. Okay, I am going to play a hand of protection for you, Miss Bellinger, and I'm going to lower the sand loss for you. Okay. And Richard rolled a 61 over 44. Okay. Um, so Richard can lose four points of sanity for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miss Bellinger, I'm staging your um, D12 sanity loss down to a D10. Okay. For completely shifting through reality. That'll do it. And talking to a dead guy. Oh, you luck out. Three points of sanity loss. Oof. Ooh, man. I, you, you disappeared. Hey, I, I, are you okay? Oh, oh, that hurts, Richard. That's horribly awful. I, I didn't know that could happen. I, I, I've never disappeared, have I? Oh, you've definitely disappeared before, Richard. Was it this painful when you came back? Well, only that time I fell from the roof and... Um, generally, generally no, it's it's quite painless. Oh, it's not right now. Maggie's kind of doubled over and reaching out for something to collapse onto. Look, let me, let me, um, I, I can... Uh, look, you can uh, lie, lie on there. Uh, he points to the bed. Of course. Right, um... Can I, can I get you a nice cup of tea? Sure, Richard. Sure, that would be fine. Where, where did you go? Away. Oh, I talked to Professor Smith. No, oh, not, not, not the one we saw last time. The that, 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 that evil one. No, it wasn't the Compte I thought it was, but it, it wasn't. It was the actual Smith. Right. Uh, did he have anything insightful to say? Oh, just the usual stuff that uh, I, we shouldn't trust the Compton, that we have to use the device to destroy the simulacrum and that he only wants the destruction of the of the world. And oh, I was going to say man, individual, being, entity, whatever it, uh, on earth he is, that uh, I, I fear you're being duped into some... He'll have your skin, I think. Well... Uh, we'll see about that. It's very nice skin. I, I would hate to see somebody take it from you. I think that's yes. entirely inappropriate. I, I've been trying to tell you this. I, I don't Thank think you, it's very nice. I've been waiting here all the time, wait, waiting for you to come back, and uh, I, I'm glad you're here again. He wasn't very nice. He left me there for hours. Well, you weren't gone that long, or, or not as far as I'm concerned. Maybe five minutes? Oh, no, he definitely locked me in a cottage for a number of hours. Right. It's possible the time passed more slowly. I, I don't suppose you um, you had a watch and you, you kind of looked at the time before and, and after. I certainly didn't, Richard. It's so difficult to get accurate results. But um, other science will have to wait. So, Miss Bellinger, you get tea something to um, sort of calm yourself a little bit. I guess the sensation for you coming back is more like feel all all of your skin feels a bit swollen, all of it, and you feel both feverishly hot and cold at the same time. That's the best way to sum it up. Yeah, I I think about asking Richard to help me to my room, but that seems like a lot right now. So I just kind of curl up on his bed 
and half pull the blanket over me and then I'm throwing it off of me and then I'm pulling it back over me and just kind of writhing around in pain and discomfort. Yeah, back in this um, realm, your mind is probably going to flit a little bit between that sort of, I don't want to say divine self-righteousness that you had before and the um, sort of more the, the informational stuff you've learned there, but we'll let Maggie determine how she feels rather than uh, putting any words in her mouth. A couple hours pass because it seems like what's going to happen is that the investigators are trying to cope with having um, had a bad night of rest, at least most of them. Except Lady Elizabeth, of course, who's up and probably reading a book or enjoying the time. And, and, and of course, Fraser, who's already seen to one party member and might see to another or two. Fraser would like to go and have a quick chat with Paul about the uh, events of uh, of the evening. I think on on his way to Paul's door, he pauses momentarily at uh, Simon's door, and he's he's on the point of knocking, and then he thinks better of it and walks on, um, walks along to Paul's room, so, and taps the door. Now uh, come in, near Paul say bright voice. I'll open the door and, and go in. Uh, Paul, good morning. Good morning, sir. You sleep. You slept well, I trust. Other than our short, sort of brief medical intervention, certainly. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I've been going through your uh, your notebook. Um, fascinating. Uh, very, very interesting, very um, very detailed and, and uh, in-depth note-taking that uh, you've done. I'm, I'm very impressed by it, I must say. I was wondering, what happened to us last night? You don't, you don't think that was connected to uh, the Comte, do you? Is that something that's within his power to be able to do? So a lot of this is conjecture, of course, and it's... Um sort of a little bit of lore looking, right? Um, old wives' tales and, um, you know, general... I mean, we are sort of in the, the country for that sort of thing, I guess. I would just say um, his kind are very connected to animals and the more animalistic portions of our lives. If the Comte was going to come after us in an indirect way, he might use a, a dog or wolves or... Yeah, something that would carry disease, like rats, maybe, or that sort of thing. I don't think disembodied hands are his thing. If, if the cop wanted to choke someone, he'd do it himself. Well, I was rather afraid of that. Uh, it seems there is another interested party in in the city here with us. Knows of our location, has some some diabolical method of uh, attacking us. Very much akin, I, I think, possibly to what was going on on the train. And I wonder to myself if if what Miss Ballinger found on the train was one of these things, whatever they are. I mean, I don't know if you got a chance to examine one. Were they the hands of a man that had been severed or, or something else? Well, I must confess, my um, occult knowledge is what sort of, one might say, specialized in a specific topic. But I would assume maybe 
it's something that the other something that cults might do that sort of thing Aye. so uh, perhaps um, I don't know perhaps somebody has been robbing graves or committing acts of, of murder to remove these hands I don't want to put too fine a point on it but I would say that you are traveling towards a place that has more um, we'll say cult activity and so maybe this is just them trying to remind you that they're looking for the same thing you're looking for Aye, perhaps perhaps indeed well vigilance as ever should be our watchword I tend to agree um, what are the what are the plans for today well we have a meeting um, at the university uh, arranged this morning with the, this uh, Dr. Jordanov I believe his name is uh, who uh, we met on the train I think he might be able to throw some light on the, the whereabouts on the, f- the final piece of the, the simulacrum that we're, we're hunting for sounds great you'll, uh, you'll let me know if you need me along of course uh, of course I mean I, I would imagine uh, certainly in the first instance it's just going to be a conversation with, with the man I, I believe he has something of a story to tell which he alluded to on the train but I'm not aware of the, uh, the full details of it well wonderful maybe um after that, uh, if if you needed me, I'll be um, paying attention to what goes on here very closely in, in the hotel. It would be his um, modus operandi after the group leaves to go do more investigating to reach out, to communicate in some fashion. And so if he does, then I'll know that he's, well, we'll say right on rhythm. Yes, indeed, indeed. He's uh, he's not uh, been in communication with you uh, so far, I take it. No, he's been quiet, uh, which is a little strange and also concerning. What do you think would be his um, his location if he were to come to the city? Would he be um, as as he was uh, in incognito in, in, a, in, a, in a wheelchair uh, at a hotel somewhere, or do you think he would be uh, secreting himself somewhere else about the city? possible that um, he might utilize the terrain here to his advantage. There's an awful lot of um, hilly terrain around here, too. You must understand, he doesn't need the warmth of a fireplace. He doesn't need any creature comforts. He can simply walk into some remote place and lay down out of reach of the sun. And so the sun is harmful to him? As far as I know, he has mentioned that the curse he bears is from God, and that God's power comes to us through the sun, something like that. I, there's some fear there, at least. But if he's not going to be found um, and certainly not attack us during daylight, then we have to be extra careful and vigilant during the evening. Uh, yeah, this is very true, yes. I suppose um, if he is weakened, shall we say, during the hours of daylight, then that does give us... Uh, a little bit of, of freedom to uh, to work, but, uh, well, most of us will be sleeping at night. Uh, I think perhaps uh, that is a luxury we perhaps cannot afford any longer. Well, if you'd like, I'm happy to trade shifts with you if necessary. I'm, I can take some rest during the day and perhaps be a bit more fortified for longer nights. At least if there's two or three of us willing to keep our eyes and ears out, it'll, um, it'll keep the rest of us protected. I well, um, yes, uh, that'd be appreciated. I don't want you to draw undue attention to yourself, though, by uh, modifying your behaviour in, in any way. We don't want to rouse his suspicions. 
I'll speak to Simon about it as well. I, I think uh, it's best if if he's aware of uh, the the situation, so that we can uh, we can take turns keeping an eye out. He's one of the best combatants we have. I would hope so. If anybody could match the comp physically, it would, he'd be the closest. Aye, right, well, I'll bear that in mind. Well, um, I won't take up any more of your uh, your time, uh, Paul. Thank you very much, uh, and uh, I'll leave you to it. Good day to you, sir. Good day. All right. So there is a meeting slated with Dr. Jordanov today for the group. I think while Fraser's off talking to Paul and everything, once I've eaten breakfast and very slowly gotten ready, because I imagine I'm still not doing super well, getting shot tends to do that to one. I'd spend a bit of time writing down what I learned from using the device on the book because I got shot very shortly after the book because I went to dinner and then all of that happened and I was not in a good position to do much studying or note-taking afterwards. So that would be what I would spend my morning doing before we go to meet with Dr. Jordanov because I don't want to forget anything. And also wondering when I can get a hold of the professor again so I can use the device again to read some more. (laughs) You've heard him clattering around inside his room. Maybe he's awake. Well, if I have the time, once I've written things down, I'll go uh, poke my head in. He wasn't doing too well after we used the device, so... So, correct me if I'm wrong, Professor, but since Maggie has not drug herself back to her own room... Lady Elizabeth, when you arrive at the door, we'll make sure that we remember that Maggie's in that room. So, yeah, go ahead. So I'll knock on the door myself. Oh, my my word, it's busy today. Um, uh, yes. Good morning, Professor. It's Lady Elizabeth. Ah, good morning. Oh, right. Um, how can I help? Open the door for a start. I'm not used to speaking to people through doors. Oh, yeah, I thought I just did. There, there we go. I imagine I still see Maggie on his bed, all curled up. Oh, I did not uh, mean to interrupt. Should I come back at a more convenient time? No, I, I'm uh, uh, Miss Bellinger. Was uh, uh, why? How can I say? She 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 barged in and uh, and insisted she used the device and uh, something about the Comte and 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 needing to get closer to him. I don't know. Anyway, there she is, and uh, here I am. Uh, what, what can I do for you? Just turning my head like slightly, just so I can see Maggie, and just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The comp, huh? Uh, just in my head. I've uh, taken the notes on what I saw, well, yesterday, I suppose. But uh, I, I do need to find out some more. Well, I, I, I mean, you... Could do. Um, I, I would be very grateful for a copy of the notes, as, as you, uh, well, maybe you don't know, but um, I, I'm trying to keep a, a record of all the journeys made with it to um, try and sort of establish exactly how it works in, in, in every last degree of detail. I'm watching Maggie to see what her reactions are. Sluggish. Well, just because I know she's got a connection to the Compte, so. Oh, Maggie's listening. She wants to look disengaged, but be listening, ever listening. Well, Professor, perhaps at some point. Yes, I'd be very grateful. But don't know that I'm quite physically up to things at the moment. 
But uh, perhaps we could arrange a time. Does the professor know what happened in the train? Like, because he was he was pretty much out of it, unconscious for most of it. Does he know about that whole thing? I don't think so. Okay. Yes, well, I will say I can rather empathize with how you felt after meeting the friend of Mrs. Griffith, let's just say. Oh, right. Uh, wasn't another relative, was it? No, quite a rather impolite gentleman. Just leaning on my cane a bit. Some, something rather peculiar happened. Um, Maggie disappeared. and I, That doesn't normally happen. It doesn't? No, I, I was wondering if the device had gained a little more power. I, I'm afraid, uh, and I, it pains me to admit this, but I've, I've not been keeping track of it. But I'm wondering if there could be some co- correlation of um, uh, the position of the moon in the sky when the device is used. And I, I was wondering whether maybe this, the, the, this day is a, a particularly favourable day to use this, this device. I, I was going to go on and say that if you were planning on giving it a whirl, perhaps now might be most efficacious. Well, I suppose it can't hurt. No, I mean, it's um, largely in the mental. Right, well, I, I have a spare chair. I'm afraid the bed is taken, but um, be my guest. Yes, I do think sitting down for this one. Keeper, have I gotten magic points back since yesterday? Not with the um, intermittent sleep, uh, given the wake. You probably would have gotten half as much, so you got four back. Okay. Four is better than none. That's true. I will attempt the device. Same lenses as before. Devices. Professor, do take notes this time. I will. Um, Yeah, when you um, take the device up, you realize that the lenses are, all of the lenses right now are in use. You have to reconfigure it. It's no wonder she disappeared, Professor, using all of them at the same time. I I must point out it was not my idea. She um she was quite forceful and demanding, and then insisted that she uh, take full control of its configuration. I look over at Maggie, Miss Bellinger, forceful, really? I wouldn't call it that. Yes, you have no history of being forceful in the past. As <laughs> I click the lenses in the way he showed me to. So you click the lenses into place, and you prepare to do another reading of the tome. What we're going to do is we're going to save that until next episode. Seems as good a time as any to um, to end. So thank you, the listener, for showing um, your dedication to our Horror on the Orient Express campaign. We greatly appreciate your listening ears. I look forward to entertaining you along with my cast next week. <laughs>